here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Thursday edition of the show, the day after Christmas. Kyle, I heard there was some important college football games on this Saturday, but uh, it's been a while since we've had those. We're going to talk about them today. Kyle, welcome. Wow, straight disrespecting the Cheez-It Bowl. That's what you just did. (laughs) The Cheez-It Bowl. I don't even know if that's a bowl, to be honest. But but we t- listen, we talked about this, what was it, on Takes on Takes on Tuesday? Yeah. For the small smaller programs, bowl games are exciting. Look how excited Charlotte was that they were bowl eligible, yeah. right? So we can't say nobody cares about bowl games. But from the perspective in which we are consuming football, there are very few bowl games that carry – weight and gravity towards what our final valuations of players are going to be. And they're going to be engaging for us to watch. And then, and then you got some of these programs where players are electing to, to skip the bowl game and they have every right to do so. But what that does is that really waters down the excitement of those games. But with the college football playoff on the horizon (laughs) this Saturday, we have games that carry weight in the national landscape and are going to determine who our national champion is and are some of the premier NFL draft scouting showcases for players. Uh, There's a bowl game called the Tony, the tiger sun bowl. Tony, the tiger sun bowl. Really? Florida state and Arizona state are playing in it. Shouldn't uh, that be the Kellogg's Sun no, Bowl? I, I respect it. They could have done that, Kyle. They could have. They said, you know what? No. No, we need Tony. the branding. Yeah, I respect <laughs> it. <laughs> what was the, the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl as well? Yeah, one? that's a thing. I was just flipping all, through the names here. It's an all-time mouthful bowl game. Mil- yeah. Yeah, there's some doozies here. Yeah, the Bad Boy Mower- Mowers. I'd never even heard of that company. Now Bad I Boy have Mowers Gasparilla Right. That's like who who sponsored the Fiesta Bowl that one year? Battle Battle it's, Frogs it always or something makes like sense. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I never heard of it. And I still I, I don't was, even know what it is, but you're exactly right. Battle Frogs. It was like a mu- like it was like a mud run or a Spartan race type uh. of thing. And the, and every kid they came out of left field and sponsored the Fiesta Bowl. It's like, did you like spend your entire advertising yep. budget for the year like on the bowl game and that's Yep, they sat down. All the executives sat down and said, you know what? We got one last shot to make this work, and it's going to come by putting all the money we have into sponsoring the Fiesta Bowl. And here we are in the year 2019 still yeah, uh, talking about Battle Frog. So good job. I don't know if you're still kicking or not, but (laughs) nicely done. Tostitos is the best sponsor for the Fiesta Bowl for obvious reasons. Now it's the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. But listen, I'm, I'm down with uh, PlayStation's on my shit list, though, uh, because okay. I use their view. I use their view streaming service for my cable. They're shutting it down at the end of January. What are you doing? Because I'm in the market. I'm, I'm ready to get away from DirecTV. I'm finally there. Had them since I was 18 Welcome. years old, Kyle. Welcome. I got you know what? The, you know what the tip, tip of the iceberg was? Got an they email. I tried to jack you up. Got an email. Yeah. 
And it wasn't here. This is going to sound so petty and it gives you no, this gives you no glimpses into the person that I, that I am, but this one really set me off. It said, we're raising your rates. You know how much they raised it, Kyle? They doubled them. No. $5. $2.07. And that, that was the, that was it for you. You were done. It's been a gradual climb since I was 18 years old. Like every year it's two bucks. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I was like, and I don't even think most of the time they even send me an email. I don't maybe with their new partnership with whatever AT and T, it's there's a little bit more structured. But I'm like, eh, there's better ways to do this, and I'm out. I know I got to figure that out. So if anyone has recommendations, obviously the only thing I personally care about is making sure that I can get college football. That's all I care about. The only thing I watch, but my wife watches Hallmark movies, so that's the critical channel she has to have. All right, oh. so you might be interested in Fubo TV. I don't know. <laughs> and unless they, so unless one of these companies wants to sponsor this podcast, I suggest yeah. we don't we don't talk about it anymore. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I have a few options, but All right, we'll talk. I don't mind the PlayStation one, but we we have Fiesta Bowl is one of the two uh, games in the playoff this year. Yeah, but the one that, that is, yeah, go ahead. The one that's first, the four o'clock game, Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, is. LSU versus Oklahoma in Atlanta, Georgia. All right, let's talk about that one first. Then, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when we say LSU and Oklahoma are playing the playoffs? The first thing on your mind is what? Oklahoma is going to need an act of God to not have LSU put 55, 60 points on. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I don't know how they stop this offense, right? I feel like Oklahoma's defense is better than it's been. It's still bad. Now, Oklahoma's got two stud standout, like top 50 caliber picks on their defense. And Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle, senior number 90. And Kenneth Murray, number nine, the middle linebacker, uh, who's a junior. Those two guys are very, very, very good. And then I think when you pair that with LSU's running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, is questionable for the game with a hamstring issue – you could make the case, well, that's really going to hinder LSU's running game, and maybe that'll make them too one-dimensional. In Oklahoma. I don't know who in Oklahoma's secondary is going to stop the combination of Chase Marshall and Jefferson. Uh, Parnell Motley and uh, Bre- uh, Brendan Radley-Hiles. They're not stopping them. LSU could throw the ball every single play and score 50 points in this game. Are you a little surprised that LSU's not deeper at running back? Like, it feels like when I watch LSU, it is the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire show out of the backfield. And, um, okay, so here's the numbers. He has 197 rushing attempts this year. The second most on on LSU is Joe Burrow with 96. And then it's uh, 60. The next guy has 60. Who has has 60? Uh, 60 rushing attempts from Davis Price. Okay. Tyrion Davis. Tyrion Davis Price. Yeah. And well, I know they, they got stung because the younger Fournette kid left. Yeah. He had 13 rushes. Yeah. So he left like after the first or second game in the season. And I I believe his name is Lannard. Um, I don't, he, he's nowhere near the caliber of a running back as, as what Leonard is, uh, when Leonard came through LSU, um, 
but I still think that definitely hurt the depth in their backfield. And it, it felt yeah. like it took them a little bit to settle into Clyde Edwards. Hilaire can be a bell cow back. He's really built momentum throughout the course of the season. But Joe, in September, we didn't talk about Clyde Edwards Hilaire because he really didn't have a resume to speak of. And LSU hadn't settled on him being the guy in their backfield yet. Felt like the more we watched LSU offense and which we both did for the preparing for that Alabama game we went down to. The more I watched LSU's offense, the more I got an appreciation for Edward Solaire and how versatile he is, um, mm-hmm. just how savvy he is across the board. And then you start watching, you're like, wow, this guy's got some nice vision. He's got really good contact balance. He's one of those squatty back, squatty backs that are kind of shorter and thick, and and he's just very effective. And you're like, wow, this guy really matters for this offense. And I get a little nervous just because you didn't see a whole lot of other guys getting meaningful playing time, and. I feel like he's an important part of this offense. I don't think he moves the needle because guess what? We still got Jamar Chase and Terrence Marshall and Justin Jefferson and Thaddeus Moss. And, oh, the best quarterback in college football, Joe Burrow, slinging the ball around. If I was Ed Ogeron, I would sit I, – I would have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire dress, but I would not use him unless I absolutely needed to. Yeah. Because I think, I think this is kind of similar to, like, the Clemson – Notre Dame dynamic last year, right? I think the talent discrepancy between these two is dynamic enough where if I'm LSU, I'm making moves with Edwards Hilaire trying to work to him being available and fully 100% for the national championship game. Not for this game. What if I told you that Oklahoma's defense compared to the LSU defense that Oklahoma's defense is giving up 10 less yards per game and three more points per game than the LSU defense. So 10 less yards and three more points. Yeah. That's the only difference statistically between Oklahoma and LSU's defenses. I think the conferences and schedules they played are very different so much. I, but I don't disagree with you, but do you think that Oklahoma's faced the offenses that present – I would guess the resume of offenses Oklahoma's faced compared to the resume of offenses LSU has faced would would tell me that they're more productive offenses in terms of yards and scoring. And I don't have any disrespect for LSU's schedule and who they've played. I'm just mm. saying the types of offenses they've played. Well, I mean, look what, LS, look what the LSU-Texas game looked like. So you you think it's an SEC Big Twelve stylistic thing that makes those numbers the yeah. way they are? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think so. I think that I think I think especially when you're factoring in the Big Twelve, it's really difficult to kind of go one for one ratio with some of these kinds of stats, just because the the Big Twelve's almost embraced the culture of the style of play that Oklahoma has. LSU is scoring 48 points per game on offense. Oklahoma scoring 43 points per game on offense. And I would argue that LSU at 48 is three times more impressive than Oklahoma at 43. Yes, I agree. I think that, that speaks to in, that in number. In that point. conference to the, to the teams that they've played. Not that Alabama didn't have a great defense this year. No, um, yeah. But but the personnel and, and the the talent. Look at the talent as far as just if we're going to talk NFL draft prospects, the NFL draft prospects and talent on the defensive side of the ball in the SEC versus the Big 12. 
What type of problems do you think Neville Gallimore can face place for this LSU offensive line, this interior offensive line led by Lloyd Cushenberry? If if I'm Oklahoma, he's in a zero tech on Cushenberry every single play. Yeah. Because Adrian McGee and, and Damian Lewis, those are big boys. Um they they've got pretty stout anchor. I want to try and get my high motor nose tackle in a one-on-one situation as much as possible. Uh, and, and I'm looking for him to collapse. I think he can collapse Cushenberry a little bit. Cushenberry's not a soft anchor, uh, but I think Gallimore, with the amount of dog that he has, uh, I, I watched his tape about a week and a half ago, and holy cow, Joe, like he never turns off. Yeah. He doesn't He's play like an overwhelming those- amount of snaps, though. No, and that that is for sure because they they work a lot of uh, I think it's ninety seven, uh, Overton. I think it gets rotational with them quite a bit. But when he's on the field, I've seen him rush the a gap, get pushed past the the quarterback inside the pocket, or the quarterback sidesteps his upfield rush. Galmore ends up seven or eight yards in the backfield and then turns around and peels back and chases down the quarterback eight yards downfield, like on a scramble play. Yeah, he's, <laughs> so, like, he's, he's, he's really, really fun. Um, Him and Kenneth Murray, man, just a lot of juice there in the middle of the defense. Yeah, and that I think that's what you have to try and accentuate and get some some noise in Joe Burrow's face. Is I'm running if I'm Oklahoma, I'm probably going to be running a lot of twists and stunts up front trying to get Murray a chance to flash as a blitzer. Um, Ronnie Perkins, number seven for them. He's only a sophomore, but he's got a pretty athletic build. He's like 6'3", 250. Um, He's another one who, in studying Gallimore, uh, had some flash kind of like slashing style penetration type reps. So up front for Oklahoma – I'm going to rely on my speed of my defense and I'm going to try and cross up protections by exchanging gaps with defenders in pressure situations. That's see, that's kind of an interesting comment because I would think you look over this Oklahoma offense, it's extremely young. There's not one offensive lineman that is more experienced than a redshirt sophomore. They've got four redshirt sophomores and a redshirt freshman on their offensive line started. Mm-hmm. They've got, I mean, uh, Charleston Ram- Rambo, redshirt sophomore. CeeDee Lamb's a junior. He's like the most experienced player on the team offensively. That matters. I mean, no, J- Jalen Hurts is a senior, but you think about him only being there one, uh, you know, one year. Kennedy Brooks, a, a redshirt sophomore. This is an extremely young football team. If if I'm LSU, you know, I don't know that they've been, Oklahoma's been challenged with the defense like this this year. And I think that I'm going to try to really expose that, that inexperience. I know it's, you know, the playoffs, they've played at least 12, 13 games this year. That's still a young football team. I don't think they've seen people play, you know, personnel like LSU can ch- challenge them with on defense. So, and and here's how I would approach that if I was Ed Odron, and I'd be interested in what your reaction is to this. I would give them my base looks to start because I think I'm better than you up front. Yeah. I think I can take Rashard Lawrence, number 90, uh, senior defensive tackle, who, by the way, had a pretty good showing um, against Andrew Thomas and, and Georgia up front, I thought, when I watched uh, some Andrew Thomas tape. So pretty good. You know, Andrew Thomas, one of the most powerful offensive tackles 
probably the best run game offensive tackle in the league. And Rashard Lawrence actually stacked him up once. And you never see Andrew Thomas get stacked up. Uh, So I want to take Logan and Shelvin and Lawrence, my three guys up front, uh, Caleb on chase on as a stand-up outside linebacker. And I think I can reset the line of scrimmage with you and just body you. I think I can big boy you. So that's what I would start. And, and if I'm LSU, I would go very base style defense as far as what my front seven's doing. And I'm looking to just test the waters and see if I can manhandle you up front the way that I think that I can, because that's what I think that matchup looks like for LSU. Well, especially when you have the corners they do, right? I mean, you've got right. Christian Fulton and, and Derek Stingley, and I mean, Charles Rambo and C.D. Lamb are no slouches. And I mean, that's the premier matchup, honestly. I mean, the Lamb-Stingley reps are going to be sensational to watch. But uh, yeah, because you have that secondary, I think it affords you to, to do some things um, and, and I guess leave them on an island a bit back there behind a, a vanilla look up front. But that also could give them a, you know, when they're going through those first few drives and they're talking on the sidelines and they're talking about very basic things, you haven't tipped your hat, right? You, they don't know what you're trying to establish or what you can go to if you need to. So I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I'd go five on five. I'd rush five. I'd go five on five. The big the big matchup might actually be, you know, this is where not having Grant Calcaterra hurts you for Oklahoma. Because when you've got Stingley and Fulton on the outside, you know, Calcaterra is a guy who, as a guy getting flexed out in the slot, would have been very helpful for them to have, get some matchups and coverage on Grant Delpit and see if you can kind of body him with size and get after him with size a little bit. Not having him is really going to hurt Oklahoma in this matchup. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. So I think we're both pretty set that we think LSU is going to win this game. I'd be surprised for any other result. Let me see if I can find the spread here. The spread is plus 13 and a half for Oklahoma. So, I mean, that's a two touchdown favorite for LSU. I mean, that's disrespectful for Oklahoma. That's what I'm talking to my guys about if I'm Lincoln Riley. Well, let's talk about one more dynamic in this game before we move on, because, you know, we're in the same boat here. We see this game very similarly. What can Jalen Hurts do? as the quarterback of the Oklahoma offense against this LSU defense, what what kinds of things can he do to keep Oklahoma in pace? Because th- this can't be a game where you rely on C.D. Lamb to make a catch at the sticks, turn up field, break three tackles, yeah. and have a 200-yard game that way. Like That's not how you're going to win this game. Right. I think so he's going to run. He's got to run it. Legs. You rolling him out? You you using QB power with him? Yes. You RPOing him to death? A lot. Yeah. Those are those are going to be the staples of my plan for sure. And I think I'm going to tell Jalen, hey, we're going to need you to we're going to need you to make some things happen with your legs. You know those plays that only Jalen Hurts can make. We need to see a lot of them for Oklahoma to win this game. And and that's gonna that's gonna soften up LSU a little bit when you have to commit a lot of attention to those dynamics and. You know, maybe you can create some spacing in, in the secondary that's favorable for you to hit some throws. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a lot of Jalen Hurts at him. You know, and this is it. There's nothing more. If you don't win this game, it's over. So I think final, that's gotta be a big part. Final score prediction. What is the over under this game is seventy six. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'd probably take the over. Really? Um 
What was the score of the Bama LSU game? Do you remember that off the top of your head? Oh, it was like 45-42, I think. Okay. No, 45-41. Uh, all right. Well, I see no reason for LSU is going to get to their season average for points. They're going to get to 48, right? There's no reason yep. to think against Oklahoma they're not. So I'm going to put them at I'm going to put them at 48 points. I think that's a good amount. LSU gives up in the I think I think Oklahoma can get into the the upper 20s. So give me give me 48 to 30. 48 to 31. I so like 31 better. So that's 79 points. So the over hits and yeah. LSU covers the spread. You say 48 or 49? 48 to 31 is the point the score I like. Oh, Joe, you took my score prediction. Is that what you were thinking? I, I was definitely thinking Oklahoma 31 points. Okay. So for the sake of entertainment value, I'll go 48 to 35. No, 49 to 35. So that LSU still covers the spread. But I'm betting more points than you're betting. So we okay, so we both have LSU covering and we both have the over. The over, yes. All right. Uh so then at eight o'clock, the Clemson Tigers face the Ohio State Buckeyes in a very different game. These are more complete teams, right? And I think honestly, both both Clemson and Ohio State are more balanced in terms of being good on offense and defense than either LSU or Oklahoma. Um, Clemson only allowing 10 points per game. Ohio State only allowing 12 and a half points per game. They're both allowing under 250 yards per game. And then they're going up against offenses in Clemson that puts up 47 a game and Ohio State that puts up 49 a game, both well over 525 yards per game. So Mm -hmm. this is real. This is the, if you only can watch one, all right, this is the one you're going to want to lock in. I want to ask you the same question. I ask you to start the other discussion. What's the first thing you think about when you think Clemson, Ohio state in the playoffs? I think about Ohio state secondary versus the Clemson passing game. So Ohio state defensively in the backfield, imagine thinking that Ohio state didn't have a good secondary. It's not, it's not a legitimate take. (laughs) Well, it is from what's his name, but can't, Damon Damon Arnett, senior corner. Jeff Akuda, junior corner. Jordan Fuller, senior safety. Sean Wade, redshirt sophomore, nickel corner. That's that's four guys right there that will probably be Akuda and Wade should be top forty selections in the draft. Higher. Damon Damon Arnett, I'm being conserved here, Joe. <laughs> Leave me alone. Damon Arnett is probably going to be a top 75 pick. And then Jordan Fuller is, eh, I think you can make a case for him and his speed in round four, early day three. So if all of these guys end up being in the draft pool, you are talking about four guys in the secondary all being drafted inside the top 125 picks. And if you make it their three best guys, you're talking about three top 75 picks, two guys, top 40, top 32 picks. And then you switch over to Clemson and you think about Clemson having T Higgins, junior wide receiver, um, Amari Rogers, junior wide receiver, Justin Ross, who's the best of the bunch for my money. And he's only a sophomore, number eight. And Trevor Lawrence throwing him the ball. Holy cow, man. Like this is going to be a heavyweight fight the entire game. And that to me is the, premier showcase in this game can Tremaine Ankrum block Chase Young Ankrum's the right tackle for Clemson he's a senior bowl guy Chase Young everybody knows him 
No. <laughs> he can't. Um, it's a problem, man. It's a big problem. Yeah. How how Clemson chooses to attack blocking Chase Young is going to determine their success offensively in the entire game. I like my chances with that if I'm Ohio State. I know that these are really talented players, right? The three good receivers, Lawrence's football Jesus, Travis Etienne, right, is a crazy explosive back. And I don't think Ohio State's running uh, linebackers, you know, Malik Harrison, tough Borland. I don't think that's a great range. I think Malik Harrison moves pretty well for his size, but those aren't guys that are going to be able to match steps with Travis Etienne or even come close. Well, I think the way that you're you could counter this. This is this is this is really fun kind of strategy based on personnel here. The way that you're Clemson, you can counter this is a lot of quick game out of the gun. Uh, I'd look for some some tunnel screens on the boundary. I'd look for maybe slip screens to ETN, get him involved a little bit more in the passing game than he's traditionally used to, because you got to take advantage of that upfield push from Chase Young, and you got to hit right behind it. And punch him. So if he's going to hammer you upfield and he's going to get hard upfield, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to drop it right behind you. And the guy that's supposed to be blocking you is now out blocking a linebacker on the second level. Yeah. So that that's how I think the if they can hit enough of those, the the quick game stuff when they go trips receivers to the open side of the field, or the the slip screens to to ETN that that are dropping off behind him, and you at least make him second guess. Is it too easy because I just beat the pants off this guy, or is it too easy because they're hitting a screen or something behind me and I got to stop and, and diagnose? That's going to be the big test, and that's what I'm really looking forward to in this matchup from a Chase Young NFL draft perspective is they can't just rely on a man-on-man, and they can't rely on Ankrum and a chip block from a back or a tight end. You you can't do that. So how is Clemson going to choose to attack Chase Young because he is such a schematic problem, and how does uh, how does Young counter that? What do you think the best offense Ohio State's played this year is? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked me that. Well, um, I just I just don't know that there's anything close to Clemson. Yeah, in terms of being the the type of high flying offense through the air that they are, but also what they can do with the running backs. Well, that's because it's there's not. So th- that's interesting to me because, I mean, I don't know. who is it. Is it Penn State or Michigan, Wisconsin? Those are the best offenses they've played. I mean, they're going to get a test like they've never seen. I mean, th- honestly, the best offense they've played is the one they have in practice. Right. <laughs> you and, know? Um, yeah, man, that, that, that's the conflict as far as both of these schools are really like this. You think about yeah, it. Yeah. It's like, who's, who's the best team Clemson's played? Texas A&M. Texas A&M, he crushed him. South Carolina, beat it, crushed beat, him. Beat Georgia. <laughs> so that's that's where these waters do get a little murky. Where I think the confidence level of what we're going to get is much higher in the other game. This game, it's like Clemson came on strong late in the season, and yeah. Ohio State has just been whitewashing everybody, but. I guess the the best test that Ohio State has was first half of the Big Ten championship game, and then the Penn State game in the second half. You at least saw them tested, but they but they bowed their back in both those situations. Yeah, and and responded well. How about this matchup? This one is really fun. Isaiah Simmons, J.K. Dobbins. 
Isaiah Simmons versus anybody is going to be fun. Let's be honest here. Yeah, but J.K. Oh. JK Dobbins is really interesting to me because I think he's multifaceted. I think he's good inside, outside runner. He catches the football. You know, I don't think he's a a, a lightning in a bottle type back, but he's extremely physical. And I think you know, I mean, that's what that's what um, I, I think on the other side of the of the coin, like Ohio State's defense is face backs like J.K. Dobbins. I don't think Clemson's face anybody like J.K. Dobbins. And to see a guy like Simmons who has crazy size range, explosive burst, really develop the mental side of the game, I think that's going to be really fascinating to see how those guys uh, go toe-to-toe in, in the open field or when they're having to meet each other in a gap. Yeah, and that's that's where Simmons is going to have the, the, the opportunity to impact the game the most. I think right? so. Because yeah. you've got... Ohio State, Luke Farrell is their tight end, like not overly involved in the passing game. So I'm not going to waste, quote unquote, waste Isaiah Simmons by placing him in situations that don't directly result in him impacting Dobbins. And Dobbins is kind of indirectly the engine of the Ohio State offense, right? Because, I mean, let's not take anything away from Fields and uh, Olave, the, the sophomore wide receiver that they have, and Victor Benjamin or Benjamin Victor and KJ Hill Dobbins is kind of the guy and it's because he's able to hit you in the ground game and he's able to hit you in the passing game. What type of maybe, and maybe you're not super familiar with him, but like when you think about Xavier Thomas, the Clemson pass rusher, are we going to be curious. talking about him like chase young next year? Is he a tick <laughs> below? Uh, I haven't seen enough of him to, to comfortably say, He's Chase Young caliber, but I know he's super explosive. Uh, I don't think his measurables are quite as imposing as Chase Young's, but uh, yeah, and he's—I mean, he's—he's—he's he's played twenty-four games over the last two years. He has five sacks. That's surprising. Yeah, I feel like he's more impactful than that. But I—he only had one and a half sacks this year in ten games. So who's who's the guy up front? That's, that's what's that's the pressure player for Clemson. Man, that's what's hard for me because I've seen this Clemson defense for years. And I mean, statistically, this is like their best defense they've ever had. But they just aren't necessarily having individuals that are shining like we've seen in the past. It's very different. So it's kind of a some of the parts is greater than the individual. Uh, yeah, I'm pulling up. So I've got their their stats up. Their leading sacker this year is Isaiah Simmons with six. And then they've um, Tyler Davis, a freshman defensive tackle, has four and a half. Okay, so they have 37 sacks yeah, this year in, in 13 games. That's not a crazy amount. They got 37, and the leading sack guy is six. Yeah. Four and a half, three and a half, three, three, two and a half, two, 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 one, okay, one, one. So yeah. <laughs> it's death by paper cuts then. Okay. Yeah. Um I don't know. I think that that might be that might be a dangerous approach. Or or not approach, but a dangerous flaw for Clemson. Because Ohio State, you know, if they space you out. Now, now you're talking about your leading sack guy, as I say, Simmons. You're going to have to put him in places where he can serve as a pass rush threat and be a pass rush threat if Dobbins doesn't get out and into routes. And if he stays into block, then you got to, it's like that green dog type blitz. 
Because I, I don't think you can just say, okay, we're going to dedicate Isaiah Simmons to being the J.K. Dobbins stopper. You need him in the, in the pass rush. Yeah. You have to get after field somehow. I mean, their other starting defensive end, Logan Rudolph, Mason Rudolph's brother, he plays hard, but he's not he's not putting stress on anybody in terms of pass rush. I think an interesting thing about both of these teams is these teams are loaded at the skill positions on offense and they're loaded defensively, you know, with, with Clemson having Isaiah Simmons and AJ Terrell as potential Simmons, Simmons will be a top 20 lock and Terrell's a potential top 40, top 50 guy. And Kayvon Wallace, I thought, think has had a nice year as a senior safety and Tanner Muse, uh, probably a late round guy, but still an NFL player. Xavier Thomas being a, a name for next year. Neither one of these schools really have any prominent prospects on the offensive line. I know no. Clemson's got John Simpson as like a big boxy, you know, point of attack people mover. And there's some people that like Sean Pollard and Gage Servank a little bit. And you already mentioned Tremaine Ankrum's going to the senior bowl. And on the Ohio State side of thing, it's like Thayer Munther, Jonah Jackson, Bryn Bowden. Like none of these, neither one of these teams right now has, in my opinion, a top 100 pick on the offensive line. Probably not. Maybe why? I mean, Wyatt Davis, the guard from Ohio State's interesting, but yeah, it's not a not a great off- offensive line showcase. And for the struggles we're having identifying, you know, a, a ton of names on Clemson's defense, there's they're an exceptional defense, and that could have something to do with the schedule. But they play well as a unit, man. And Brent Venables is an amazing coordinator, and with the time he has to prepare for Ohio State, I think you like that. Yeah. And I, I don't want to brush under the rug the fact that Clemson last year going into the national championship game, we said, well, Alabama's got this really stout front seven and Clemson's yep. offensive line is no good. And, <laughs> and then they just beat the brakes off of Alabama. So from a coaching <laughs> perspective, you you can make concessions there and, and really help to mask. So that's why when you first asked me, when we first started talking about this game, how is Clemson going to block Chase Young? I think it's going to have to be Devon Hamilton or Jay Sean Cornell that makes some noise because I think Clemson's going to have enough up their sleeves with how good their coaching is to at least minimize Chase Young, right? You're you're never going to take him out of the game. But can you at least get it to the point where he's not running past your offensive tackle on three <laughs> straight plays and sacking your quarterback on the three straight because he's done that to teams. Watch the watch the uh the Big 10 championship with uh the second game against Wisconsin, I thought that was probably the most control the team was able to be mm-hmm. against Chase Young, and especially after he cooked them the first time. So yeah, that I'd be putting a lot of emphasis on that tape. Kyle, the the line on this game is Clemson minus two. The over under is at mm. sixty three. I think the over under is about right. Both teams getting close to thirty. Yeah, I could see like thirty one twenty eight final here okay little little old clemson kyle or uh the mighty ohio state buckeyes oh man i can't choose which one which team has which team has more which one which team has you have a diff, more difficult time 
finding the answers for the problems the other team presents? I think Ohio State. I think I'd take Ohio State. I'd definitely take Ohio State plus two. But I think I would take Ohio State outright here. Uh, give me Ohio State 31-28 final score. I'll take 31-28 Clemson. Oh, you I, prick. Yeah, listen, no, it's one of those deals, man. It's This is a, a championship-tested team. Um, that's That was that was the real hang-up for me because it's yeah. like Clemson's they're, – they're young in a lot of spots, but they've also been there, done that as the defending national championships. It's a lot of the guys they have. A lot of yeah. guys they have, man. I think may, and this offensive line, you're not going to like pluck a bunch of NFL starters off of it. It may be like the best performing group, at least I've seen. I've always been, I've been shitting on Clemson's offensive line for years, and they still can't get great talented guys. The most talented guy they ever got to play offensive line for him under Dabo was Mitch Hyde. He went, he was undrafted, you know, and he was a five star recruit that started every game and had every award you can ever have in college football history as an offensive lineman. Terrible. And like had, and had to transition to center. From left tackle. To have a chance. Yeah, yeah, to have a chance. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> like, why can't you get a friggin' why can't Andrew why can't why can't you get Andrew Thomas to come to, to Clemson? What's the problem here, man? But I I don't know. I I, I just feel like I, the, both teams present a lot of problems. I believe in Brent Venables and Dabo Swinney in that for this moment more than I do Ohio State. Not that they're not battle tested they haven't been productive and they haven't played yeah. in meaningful games. Like I'm not taking that away. But if you're making me pick a game where I think it's a three point game, all right, so I think it's close. I'm gonna go with the team that's been been through this a little bit more. They're going to what? Arizona? Playing this game in yeah. Arizona? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Hey, look, tomorrow we're gonna be previewing NFL week 17, Joe. Yeah. Week 17 is here. Which means for 20 teams across the league, this is the last time your team will play football for 2020 or until 2020. But you found the right podcast to listen to because we got a lot of draft stuff to talk over the next five months. That's right. And after we recap week 17 on Monday and after we break down the college football playoff uh, semifinals and we do takes on takes on Tuesday, then we're transitioning into some... NFL draft prospect talk, Joe. And I've already got my first man crush of the season. I'm super. Yeah, pumped. I know. We've been hearing about it for three days now. So, well, have you watched the tape yet? Yeah. Do you know, you know, what's funny though, is what's the, what's the message in the Slack channel? We, we got a bunch of new all 22 tape. And I said, man, I can't wait to get Louisville offense so that yeah. I can watch Mecky Becton. And then all of a sudden Kyle spends the next two days of his life putting picks in there or clips in there. Let me just tell you, I haven't watched one of them. Um, Mecky Becton is a monster. Yeah, and I cannot yeah. wait to talk about him next week. And I cannot wait for you to watch a little bit of him. Did we get so the tw- all twenty-two from Louisville in yet? No, we didn't. But that's oh, not so the you, point. So you, oh, you've been fine. You okay? Well, you wanted it. You wanted it. Good for you. Well, listen, I've piecemealed it together because I said, you know, when guys like Daniel Jeremiah and Dane Brewer, guys who I have a ton of respect for in this industry, when they're talking him up and saying like, yeah, this guy's a beast. Somebody, I don't remember who it was. Somebody compared him to um, Trent Brown, Bryant McKinney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that was Jeremiah did that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, he's not wrong. So (laughs) you turn on the tape, you say, holy shit, man. So I have a bit. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you finish. You you finish your thought. Mine's a different thought. Finish it. He's got a ton of exciting caliber or exciting qualities. And I'm looking forward to talking about him on the show. Here's my big tease for when we start prospect discussion next week. 
All right. Kyle Krabs has a first round grade on a running back that isn't named Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor. I'm not saying he doesn't have first round grades on those guys. I'm not saying he doesn't. But there's a one there's one that I didn't mention that he does. And damn it, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss that miss that conversation because I have a day two grade on him. But we'll talk about him next week. Boom. Come on back, folks. Thanks as always for listening to Draft Dudes. Enjoy the uh the college football playoff games. On Thursday, we'll be back or on Saturday, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk about week 17.